Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Well, it's great to have you once again at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Tonight, I am with Adam Meredith from Red Door Church in Corbin, a suburb not far away from Perth, just south of Perth, a, a suburb coming up, a hub really coming up, massive hospital very close to a shopping mall, everything there in the hub, in the center of it all, in, uh, influencing the local community and uh, having fun in the process. Adam? Welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for Red inviting Door me. Red Door Church. Red Door. Red Door. Why Red Door? F- funny, funny story. <laughs> um, so it was in 2012 that we started. Yeah. Uh, and we, I was a part of a church called Riverview Church. Yes. Who's been in the city for a long time. Uh, Phil Baker was the yeah. senior minister there for a long time. And I sort of sat under him for quite a while. And Originally, it was a campus of, of Riverview. Oh, it was? Uh, a southern campus. Okay. Um, Phil got ill and there was a, some change of leadership and they ch- decided to release the campus and the community that was there to become the, its own community, its own church community. Yep. So uh, they asked my wife and I if we'd like to be a part of leading this new church. Did you did you start it or were you involved in planting it from... Yeah, we were like the campus pastors. You were. So we'd already had a lot of trust, a lot of community, yeah. a lot of connection with the people. Now Hayden was now in, in at the helm? Yeah, or? Hayden Nelson okay. was the senior minister at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And then he felt like the whole campus thing was something that he inherited. Yeah. Wasn't necessarily his cup of tea. Yep. Yeah. So they decided to release it. And funny enough, myself and my wife, Dale, we were really asking a question saying, God, we've sensed you put in our hearts to lead a church, but we don't know how it's going to unfold. Yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, it kind of landed on our lap uh, really clearly from him, not by our doing. Does that yeah, make yeah. sense? It just mm. it naturally came. Yeah. yeah. So then we had to come up with the church name. And okay. my wife's the real practical one. Yeah. And I'm a bit more the creative one. Okay. So my wife's like... Um, you know, Faith Central, because we're in Coburn Central, yeah, right? Yeah. So she's like oh, coming yeah, up Central. with all these yeah. sort of practical geographical names. How many going to use that, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Or somebody will. <laughs> Please, it's yours. Take it. Take Faith <laughs> Central. So, so we, I had a, this, this idea of initially um, of Open Doors. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, there's a wonderful ministry called Open Doors Ministry. And didn't yeah. want to confuse people. and. And then I, uh, we live on a street called Sacred Glade, which is a wonderful pastor's street name. Yeah. And, uh, but Sacred was a bit, uh, it's a little bit too old sacred. school. Too yeah, sacred. Yeah, maybe a bit too sacred. But the, the word red was in the word sacred, uh, S-A-C-R-E-D. And then it just sort of dawned on me, oh, the red door. And what was funny when we were making that decision, we had one of our board members, elders of our church, uh, he owns some um, subway stores. Yeah. And he was road testing this name with a lot of different people uh, in his kind of, you know, workspace. Yeah. And I said, what do you think of when you think of Red Door? And some people said, well, it's like a perfume or a, um, maybe a brothel. And that's Red Light District. Very, very clearly it's not. Yeah. That, but we'll take anyone, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think it was... He said to us in that time, he's never explained the gospel so many times yeah. when he's explained the red door. 
which in essence is suggesting, hey, there's a story in the Old Testament, you know, the yeah. story of Moses and God is rescuing his people. God yeah. sends the plague, the most devastating plague, yeah. uh, to try and force the hand of Pharaoh. Yeah. And uh, the firstborn of every family would pass away, would perish yeah. when a spirit of death would come over the nation of Israel, uh, Egypt. And so, but God didn't want his people to perish. Yeah. So uh, he came up with a plan, take a lamb, slaughter the lamb, take yeah. the blood of the lamb, yeah. make the door red. Okay. It's door a little post, bit of creative but... license. It's a doorpost. It would have tripped down. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but it gives you a gospel yeah. opportunity to share. Yeah. What is this red door about? He's the doorway in which we come into a relationship. Oh, yeah, red, the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the entry point. No, no, I get it. As I said to you, I think I mentioned just before the show, initially when I saw red door, I thought Irish, mm. you know, because I've been to Ireland and I've seen a lot of red doors. Mm. And I thought maybe there is, there is that heritage, but yeah. obviously no. But um, what we've discovered afterwards was that we um, uh, realized that historically red doors have meant many different things. Yeah. And one of them has meant that if a house is debt free, the door is painted red. Yeah. Uh, and also when some of the um, African-American people were in slavery working their way to Canada. Yeah. Um, they would come across a door that was red. Yeah. It would be a sign that this house was a safe place. It was a okay. place of refuge. It was a place wow. of safety, um, wow. which was amazing. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. So it's got a few different meanings, but and um, cover, cover, yeah. spiritual cover, Absolutely. protection, blood of Jesus. But I think beautiful. you know the reality is Jesus is the doorway yeah. in which we come into a relationship. It's very interesting. With uh, last year during COVID, mm. like in the first two or three weeks of COVID, was in March last year, I think, mm. I started a group uh, on Facebook, just a, a group, and I call it I call it In the Closet. Okay. You know, just because uh, I knew countries were going into lockdowns and places, and I thought, you know, just uh, in this group, I can have an input in those people who are a little bit afraid, and they just want to have that you know, input in a private setting. Mm. So I called it In The Closet and uh, the branding, the logo of that group has a massive uh, stripe of red on top. All it's right. like it's like the doorpost, yeah, but just the doorpost yeah, is covered in red. So good. I'll show you after this, oh, I love which see. is tremendous. Oh, yeah. It's great imagery, so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think an image does, you know, it, it does seal it for people because they remember that a lot easier. Yeah. Because yeah. they can associate it with something. If they, they have nothing to associate it with, it mm. just goes away. But if there's a picture, there's an image. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose we, we're not looking to make Red Door famous. We want to make Jesus famous in our Coburn area. Yeah. So the name should really present, you know, that mystery of what did Jesus actually do on the cross? What was his yeah. blood shed for? He is the Lamb of God. That's beautiful. Um, and that's, uh, that's kind of what we've been focusing on. So actually. now, fast forward, uh, nine years later... Yeah, nine years. Um, yeah, church has grown and uh, we're sort of growing as a community as well. Yeah. Um, we're on a journey of creating a bit of a hub kind of space mm-hmm. for our church family to yeah. not just be a church service, but to also facilitate sort of community activity that connects with our surrounding community. So we have. And a, you, are, you are right in the shopping district. Very close to the main um, shopping centre there, which is called Gateway yeah. Shopping Centre. Um, which again, gate, door, you know, it's yeah. all very symbolic. <laughs> Gateway Church. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a church called Gateway oh, yeah. Church in the Mistaken. area. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> or came after. They're great friends of ours. And yeah. yeah, good people. Yeah. So I think the journey has just been discipling. Yeah. Um, discipling people, leading people to Jesus. 
uh, journeying with people, yeah. you know, making disciples. I think that's the key calling. And are you running the Geo Network there as well? Yeah, so I've been probably, I felt like from Phil Baker, inherited a bit of a, a heart for unity in the yeah. body. Yeah. And so that had been something that I remember back in 2007, mm-hmm. saying to Phil, hey, Phil, is it okay if I try and gather the local pastors together? I think that then it was like once a month, maybe yeah. just to pray together. Yeah. And he was a big advocate. Oh, he started church together, yeah, which is always a big thing in our breakfast, city. Breakfast, leadership breakfast. Correct. Yeah. And so he said, yes, of course you can. Yeah. So since 07 have been, you know, sometimes pastors aren't the easiest people to get a hold of. So it sometimes feels a little bit like herding cats. Yeah. But uh, it's been a wonderful journey of relationship with many yeah. of the leaders there. And just believing together as a unified community. I don't really call yeah. it... You know, individual church names, I call it the Church of Coburn. Yep. The Church of Coburn is here to make a difference. And I think yeah. that's nice, like, you know, a city kind of a mm. connect. But it takes a long time. It takes a long time yeah. to build trust. Relationship. Relationship. Yeah. In order that together you can begin to do uh, gospel-centered transformational works in yeah. a city. Yeah. Um, but you can't do that alone. No. That's kind of, well, you, you can. But I, always that question that sort of haunts me. You can me. do it event based, but you can't do it on a continuous basis. Yeah, and what yeah. what could we do together that we couldn't do alone yeah. is a question I think that is a good one to ask, mm. um, because together there's a lot more people in the city who know and follow Jesus than yeah. there are, you know, just in a sense of your one local community. Don't you? I I have a frustration, and I'm not sure if you have it as well. Mm. Um, the business world moves at such a fast pace. Mm. Decisions are made, uh, strategies are implemented. In fact, if you don't reinvent yourself, you die basically mm. because of all the challenges that come your way. The church gets away with so much at such a slow pace, don't you think? Mm. I think the pace is an interesting one because we need to be aware of the times that we live in. Yeah, I think we lag so far behind. I don't think we, we are going with the times. I I think we, we lose so much mm. in between. Yeah. Relevant. I think it's an interesting tension because I heard someone say actually this week, um, God moves at walking pace. Yeah. So there's an interesting idea that the Father is has a, has a, there's a slowness in his ways. Yes. Um, he's not running. He's not no. in a rush. He's not, and so there's this kind of idea of slowness. But at the same time, the world is going very fast, in the yeah. sense of. So I, 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 I hear your point. There's a sense of this tension between, as a church community, we want to be quick to respond yeah. to the needs of the community. I think that's a, an area where we need to grow in, in terms of our ability yeah. to respond well. Um, but at the same time. We walk closely with the Father, which is a, a slow-paced walk, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. But at the same time, we want to is, be, respond well, you know, respond It is slow. Correctly. But He walks all the time. Yeah. We only walk on Sunday. <laughs> so, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Say, like a business, let's say business operates five days a week. Yeah. Or six or seven, mm. but minimum five. Yes. Church generally operates one or two days a week. Yeah. A community service or some sort of a gathering or Bible study or connect groups. Mm. And the rest, yes. Well, I think if our Christianity is limited to a Sunday or limited to a gathering, yeah. then we're missing the mark. We're missing the point. Yeah. Following Jesus is a 24-7 exercise. Yeah. 
So no matter where you're at home or whether you're at work or whether you're at a gathering, we should be bringing the kingdom of God yeah. no, matter, no matter where our foot lands. I don't think you can uh, wait. There's, there's no, uh, in this Christian walk, you're either walking closer or away from God. Yeah. You're not holding the pace. I don't think you're ever holding the pattern. Oh, for correct. You're always, you know, closer or further. Yes. So um, you're drifting and then you're coming back. You're drifting and coming back. And I think this this is also growing frustration for us as leaders. Is mm. Because a lot of the people, you know, they're going astray and they're coming back. It's almost like it's a dance. Yeah. It's not a genuine walk. Yeah. You know, can two walk together unless they're agreed? I mean, if we walk together, we move mountains. Mm. There's such power in that agreement. Yes. And... Uh, if we did the business as we do church, mm. we wouldn't be in business. You couldn't survive. Yeah. No, it's so true. You'd be eaten alive. Yeah. Your rent, your overheads, your staff, all the expenses that comes with running a business, you wouldn't be able to survive. Yeah, I think, I think the church has to respond. But I think as leaders, we've got to be the ones who are continuing to be close to Jesus yeah. in order that when he uh, moves, we're able to move quickly with him. Yeah. So he's the, we're, the readiness. Followers, we're followers of Jesus, yeah. ready to move when he moves. Yeah. I think uh, if, if the leaders aren't doing that in the church community, yeah. then it's hard to expect everyone else to be doing that. That's right. And so I think it starts with us. It starts with me. It starts right. with as a leader, I've got to be keeping close in my fellowship, in my following Jesus. Yeah. And all I can then do is allow that sense of what is God speaking to me about yeah. to communicate that to the community. If they respond, fantastic. Yeah. If they decide to become lukewarm, yeah. they become to move away, um, that's very difficult. To, that tension between you don't want to control people, no. at the same time you need to impart a compelling vision of what the Father's heart is and what He is doing yeah. in order that, hey, I want to come on this journey. I want to bring the kingdom. I yeah. want to be a part of what God is doing in our community today. Yeah. Not, not next week, not next month, not next year, yeah. but today. What's God it's doing It's to have today? that awareness, a spiritual awareness to be ready to act. Yeah. And sometimes you'll have to run because the Father did run towards the prodigal son. Absolutely. So, you know, sometimes, you know, if somebody yeah. else gets in the way, I think the reason why he ran is because... He knew if somebody else got in the way, yeah, would have turned him back. Well, I think his heart for love for people yeah. causes him to run. Yeah, puts him into motion. But I think his his heart for his children is to move slowly so they can be relationship. Yeah, so they can chat. So chat, exactly right. Be close. Yeah. But then when it's time to move, hey, let's move. Yeah. Let's take action. But if you spend, you have children. Mm. How many? Yeah, three children. All right, we'll get into that shortly. No worries. But. If you spend time with your child, let's say you spend half an hour today, tomorrow, and the day after, mm. and then on the fourth day you're not going to spend half an hour with him, he's not going to be satisfied. He'll no. come back to you and hold you to it. <laughs> That's right. Whereas we spend time with the Lord and we drift. Mm. We don't walk daily with him, mm. even though we should. Mm. And we know the formula. <laughs> That's funny, eh? Hey? Yeah, it is. Let's go back. Where did it all start for you? Yeah, born great. and bred here in Perth. Yeah, I'm a Perth boy, born here, raised here. I lived a couple of years in New South Wales, um, but back here, uh, university here, studied uh, accounting and finance at UWA. Mm-hmm. Um, then worked. That makes a couple- you good pastor. Yeah, well, you, I think you won't get in trouble with your accounts. Will I, you? I'm pretty sure I was a pretty schmick. <laughs> to be honest, uh, my wife is an accountant as well. So, but 
There's a good uh, chance you'll make it. I think we'll be all right. <laughs> uh, I worked for Ernst & Young uh, yeah. as an auditor for a few years and then did the whole professional year thing, chartered accounting okay. uh, qualification. And it was during my time at Ernst & Young. If you had asked me back then, uh, was I a Christian? I would say to you, yes, but it really was a nominal Christianity. It was, it was really just a head faith. It was yeah. a a recognition that I believe God made everything, made me, yeah. but I didn't have a living relationship with Him. And uh, I, what happened was that within a month, it was like Jesus walked into our home, yeah. and my mum, my stepfather, myself, my brother, mm-hmm. and uh, now, my, now my wife, we all had radical encounters with Jesus yeah. in a way that we became fully devoted. And that was an ex- not at the same time, but within about a month, yeah, maybe everybody, a month and yeah, a half. I hear. And uh, that experience for me was one where my stepdad, uh, Chris, he dragged me to a promise keepers meeting. I don't know if you have promise yeah, keepers, yeah. the men's ministry yeah. thing, and they were doing a day long um, seminar. Okay. And I went there, and the very first session, and I wasn't there reluctantly, but I went because mainly because he invited me to go and. The first time I'd ever heard the gospel presented with a need to respond in yes. some way. Yep. I'd never heard an altar call before. I'd never heard a come forward or respond or do something in response yes. to this gospel that you yep. believe. So I was the first down the front, that particular service. Yeah. And I remember saying, you know, responding to the gospel, committing my life. And the yep. rest of the day, I had water coming out of my eye sockets. Yeah. I was like, I was crying, but I wasn't like sobbing. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, gee, how about those West Coast Eagles, hey? You know, like they were just, it was water was just coming out of my eyelids. Uncontrollably. Uncontrollably. And I knew something had happened. Uh, from that point, I was just like a sponge. I was going to as many church services as I could. I was doing night college. Yeah. Uh, I think three weeks in, I was going to an Anglican church in Carinup. Yeah. And, uh, this Anglican church was not your traditional Anglican church. This was very much a charismatic Anglican church. Okay. And I was leading the youth there. And within, you know, maybe uh, six months, this youth was like originally like a babysitting club. And that's now there's like 40 kids who are all saved and all on fire for Jesus. And things were really happening. And, and my, uh, Dale and I have quite a bumpy background where we met... We met at a nightclub. We didn't meet in the right sort of way. We did the wrong thing. But then we both have encounters with Jesus, right? So we actually had a time where her and I had a, a time apart. So we broke up and yeah. we were just dating Jesus, so to speak, because he was doing heart surgery in both of us. Mm. And um, a little a little while longer, we actually uh, reconnected. And uh, I just knew the most attractive thing I'd ever seen in another human was someone who knew me warts and all, and my wife knows me warts and all, and I wasn't a very nice person uh, without Jesus. Yeah. Um, and she accepted me. And that was the most attractive thing I'd ever seen. And within three months, I proposed, and then three months later, we were married. Wow. And um, so we... So you both had separate encounters with Jesus, or you? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I was going to so many church services, I said, you've got to come and just... Come, come with me. Come with me. So this is while you were dating her before? Yeah, before. before. Okay. Um, and that was at a church called Shiloh Church in Belga. We bought that church. Really? <laughs> Small world. 
So yeah, I, I had was... I had John Finkeldy in that seat really? a few weeks ago. Oh, John's a champion. I actually shared the same office with him. Really? He sold me his office. No way. <laughs> yeah, for fifteen years. Oh, that that my uh, a lot of my family used to go to Shiloh. My grandparents lived on the street there and. So and we bought it, and then Triple C was or C three was. Yeah, so they moved yeah. over to was it Hepburn? Hepburn Heights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was just a wonderful moment. And she, same thing. She'd heard heard the gospel before, not heard a need to respond, yeah, um, to do something in response to the faith that you've heard. So uh, we started. Uh, we left. We got married, and we we left the Karen Up Church, and we started going to Riverview. Um, and within. Maybe a few years. Um, Dale was on staff there as an accountant, and I yep. was on staff there as the media director. Oh! So I left accounting and finance altogether, and I went. So you went on full time in a job ministry, per yeah, se. Yeah, as and, um, the media director, which was looking after the television program. Because oh, at the time you were broadcasting. Yeah, we were on uh, Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings, and we I think it was like forty countries, and wow. it was quite a busy, yeah, yeah. busy uh, time. So uh, I didn't know anything about television, didn't know anything about it, but I had a creative thing in me mm-hmm. that when Jesus got hold of me, it was like the dormant creative thing that was in me got an opportunity to come out. Yeah. And it sort of became alive in a way that yeah. it was God, because God puts his stuff in us, right? He's yeah. made on purpose for a purpose. Yeah. That purpose was muted in some way. And, yeah. oh, we laugh because if you want to be a creative and a, an accountant, well, you you'd probably go to jail, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any of that. So uh, that was a real opportunity to be a sense of gospel-centered creativity. Um, it was from there that Phil had this vision to do campuses yeah. that were video orientated. Mm-hmm. And so I got involved in these campuses from a video perspective. Yeah. Um, and I suppose leaving... Were you, were you broadcasting this live sermon from, uh, from uh, a Riverview? From yeah, I think at the time it was Westwood? pre-recorded on a Saturday. Okay. And then Sunday morning it was ready to go. Okay. Uh, he was doing some innovative things with multiple screens and multiple angles. And okay. It was all a bit different. Um, but the, I, think, I think the experience for us was we'd come from a very large church, yeah. you know, 2,000 people, 3,000 and then suddenly the campuses were very small, mm-hmm. and I found myself falling in love with a smaller community where discipleship could happen more at a face-to-face level. Here it was messy. You were you were with the people. With the people. Whereas at Riverview it was quiet, just with your team. I'm not saying big church is wrong. I just know that for me, I suddenly became aware of how Adam's built. I'm yeah. built very much for relationship, and within the context of relationship, discipleship. And yeah. so we fell in love with the smaller expression. It came alive. Yeah, it came alive. And I remember saying to Phil, uh, if you ever want us to be involved in campuses, I'm your man. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was maybe three months later, he said, oh, you want to lead the Coburn community? So uh, we said yes, and the rest is history. Yeah. I love the way that you just, your face lit up and you said, we said yes. Because you know what happens? In Christianity, I see a lot of people saying, oh, we don't know. It was, I didn't want to do this, but then the Lord really pushed me to do this. Or, oh, we were really invited, but it wasn't our thing. And I'm thinking, man, just say it. You wanted it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted to be a pastor yeah. and they wouldn't ordain me. Right. You know, they, they didn't want me because I, I was a threat to them. Right. And if somebody, if, if people ask me, do you want to be a pastor? I would say yes. And they would say, you're arrogant. 
Because you want to knock the, the, the tall poppy off his seat. And I'm thinking, no. no. The Bible says you should desire to desire. be a prophet. You should yeah. desire this. This this is biblical, guys. You, you just don't get it. And I've mm. just realized, you know, and the way you just said it, yeah, I want this. It's like, man, this is genuine. This is how it should be. You'd want people like that in your church, not yeah. people who say, oh, I was forced really into this, but I thank God for it. Yeah. I think there's a tension in the sense that there's an unknown of course, I'm familiar. Oh, no, we, were, we were, you know, we were scared, but at the same time... But that's the beauty of it, the adventure. Totally. Yeah. If you know the destination, it's called commuting. Yeah. Adventure is defined by the fact that you don't necessarily yeah. know what the destination looks like. That's right. right. So th- that sense of it's a uncertainty thrill. versus yeah. I'm certain about who God's made me to be. Yeah. And so therefore... Because that doesn't change. You, no. you have the security. You have something that is unchanging in a sense. Yeah. But everything else can be worked out, yeah, you right. know, and you know that's the beauty of it all. Absolutely. So and you were born. Be, sorry. You were born in Perth, yeah. not a Christian family. Uh, no. Okay. We, How many siblings? Uh, just one. I've got a young, younger brother who's okay. eight, eight years younger than I am. My mum and dad divorced when I was eight years old, and so um, I think back then my mum invested enough in me at an early age to have a faith that recognized God was real. Okay. So I didn't have to journey the God was real journey. It just needed, the penny needed to drop when it yeah. came to. I remember I remember asking the question, why did Jesus have to die? And I felt like, I sometimes I glimpsed it and it sort of slipped through my fingers, you know, like this yeah. revelation of why did Jesus have to die? And I remember going, oh no, I don't think I'm ever going to get that back. You know, like the, the truth. Yeah. And what I noticed was as I dwelt on the fact that Jesus paid the penalty of my sin, yeah. that became more and more real to me um, to the point where I'm like, oh, I have this now. I have this faith. Uh, he's given it to me. For Red Door. For, well, for myself firstly. You know, and, <laughs> and, and, and for the, the Red Door. door. I, had it. Yeah. I had the Red Door in my hands. Yeah. I had Jesus in my hands. And more importantly, he had me. He so had me. you had the little brother uh, and then your dad left? Or yeah, uh, mum and dad separated, and um, you stayed with mum. Yep, and mum was amazing. It was a bub. You just had a little baby then, or the baby is from the second. No, no. So he's my biological brother. Okay. Um, So he's from my first dad. Um, But funny, I suppose that early age, I was eight and he was a newborn. Yeah. I felt probably like I was stepping into a large amount of responsibility because I'm like becoming the dad for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which. Obviously, it's not... You matured instantly, well, a level. Well, there's a positive thing to it, but yeah. I think there's also a negative in you know, it that I I tend to take too much responsibility for things myself. Yeah. You know, but I think it was a huge learning thing for me, uh, having a young brother. Did it hurt you at the time? Oh, I think there's always going to be challenges when it comes to divorce and, and mum and dad. You didn't experience, you know, high emotional peaks or... Like, uh, you know, hurtful. Yeah. I remember when um, Dad first left, there was a real, was a real tearing mm-hmm. kind of experience as you're trying to discern the why mm-hmm. of all this. Um, that, that why uh, fundamental, fundamentally came down to the fact that my dad, um, when he uh, was with his father, so his dad, his dad my pop, had um, lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And in that lung cancer, he had uh, sort of like a week to live. And it was in that first week, uh, that, so that last week of his, that that was the first time that he'd ever told my dad that I love you. So dad oh. grew up with such a, 
not uh, no no certainty about the father's love. Yeah. Um, and so when it came to me feeling like my dad was abandoning me, there was a really understandable why to it. Like yeah. it took me a while to work it out, but once I understood the why, it made things a lot more understandable, and I show, was able to show a lot more grace for my dad. Uh, so the why was such a critical yeah. uh, aspect to that journey mm. of coming from a, a broken family. Uh, Did you, you ever get the answer? Well, I think that's that's the answer. You know, my my dad just and and my dad's mum as well just did not grow up in a loving family. Yeah. Didn't grow up in a, a family where um, they were valued and they had a sense of identity yeah. based on the fact that they were accepted by the family. Yeah, and when you don't have those question marks in your heart answered, you yeah. can go through life very insecure. Because you're searching for an identity. You're searching for an identity. And then you're trying to achieve that. Yeah, that's right. So Dad made some mistakes during that time. and um, But at the same has time... Has he come to the Lord? He has made a decision for Jesus, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, where he's at at the moment, I, I, I talked to him. and remember I asked him, I said, hey, Dad, how are you going with Jesus? And he's like, he'll tell you. Yeah. Yep, Jesus is the Son of God. He he knows. Yes. Um, is he living that way? I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. Um, that's for the Lord to and him to work out. But uh, it's an adventure walking with family. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as a pastor, oh. they hold you up to it. Oh, everything. Yeah. Everything. Pressure. Always. And then watching. they say, "Oh, don't preach it to me. Oh, go go back to your church. <laughs> tell it. Tell it. You know, family here, not not church here. You know. Well, I think that's where you've got to be living it out. Yeah, you yeah, know, if course. you're not living it out. You know, your preachings. So what school did you go to? Uh, I grew up in Bayswater. So yeah. I went to a Catholic primary school growing up. Mm-hmm. and um, But I went to an Anglican church. So this is where very much early on we had a faith. In Bassanine, you went to St. Mark's? Um, no, this was in um, Bayswater. Okay. Uh, I can't remember the primary school's name. It was a real back, little, little tiny, tiny little Catholic school. That's fine. Um, but in Bayswater, Anglican, can't remember the name. Well, I remember they used to do wilderness camps in yeah. the middle of nowhere. These church camps were the best. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, my mum and dad split up. And then we actually moved to the northern suburbs. So I actually grew up in a lot in Craigie. Yep. And went to Craigie High School. Okay. And Craigie no longer High, there. No longer there. I think there was maybe... <laughs> my brother-in-law uh, built a house on that. On really? The side, oh, the, that's a great area. <laughs> vibe, the vibe at Craigie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was at that school, went from year eight to year 12 there. Yeah. Uh, about seven of us went to university, so oh. it was, wasn't really an academic yeah. sort of school. Uh, we but survived. you made it. We made it. Um, and then while I was there in year 11, year 12, mum got remarried. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to Karanup. So I was still going into Craigie High School, even though we were living in Karanup for a yeah. while. Up mummy and Anne. Yeah. And so then went to university and... Um, which curtain or ECU? Uh, UWA. And you did accounting? Accounting uh, and commerce. finance, yep, commerce. Yeah. Yep. And then we, when we first got married, we lived in Carlisle. Okay. That's a funny story because we, we got engaged, right? And the day after our engagement party, we had to buy a house. And the house we were looking at was on the same street Dale's dad grew up in. Yeah. My wife's, and the yep. same street my dad grew up in. And at the engagement party, our grandmothers knew each other. Wow. But we didn't know this, right? Such a small world. So then we bought this house in Carlisle on Bishopsgate Street in Carlisle. Again. Again. Bishopsgate. Sacred Glade, Bishopsgate, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so that's beautiful. been the journey, yeah. So where did you meet Gail? You met her at... Uh, Dale, yeah. Oh, Dale, sorry. No, it's Gale. fine. Yeah, we met at a nightclub. Yeah. 
And it's not the most... I've told my church this story, so it's very much public knowledge, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. So I like to embarrass myself. This is myself. WikiLeaks, you know that. Yeah, no, I thought so. <laughs> I thought so. I was... Um, were, uh, no, just, just in the process of finishing um, university. Okay. And there was a pub in Northbridge. Mm-hmm. And between five and six o'clock, they would offer free beer for an hour. <gasps> and me and my friends would go and work out how many Stunt. drinks we could have in one hour. Oh. Right? And I wasn't a sleazy person, but this one particular night, I decided to make advances on this one girl who I hadn't met before. Just in what this was one she doing night. there? Again, she was three celebra- drinks? No, she was celebrating with a friend or something. They okay. just finished some sort of study or something. And uh, I remember meeting Dale there. Were you drunk or not yet? Um, I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it wasn't a perfect meeting, yeah. right? It wasn't righteous at all. So you went to her? Yep. Uh, at the bar? Or? Yep, yep, at the bar. And I, I liked dancing, right? So yeah. immediately we had a dance and immediately there was some connection. And then, Oh, she came and danced with you? Yep, yep. So winning. Wow. And, but I tell you, it was a very tumultuous relationship. We broke up, got back together multiple times. Uh, it was very obvious that we needed a rescuer. Yeah. We needed someone. We were broken. Both of us. We ended up using each other a bit like a crutch, you know. We were like finding identity in yeah. each other. It was just, yeah. it was not helpful. Bit of a bit of a train wreck, to be honest. Yeah. But when Jesus came, he, he actually t- took something What was, was she broken. doing? Was she uni as well? She was a, um, she was studying accounting. Yeah. But she worked for her dad, who did a cabinet making business mm-hmm. in uh, Maddington. Okay. So uh, he'd been doing that, and she was like the accountant or clerk for the yeah. family business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And so that's when I met her. Okay. And, um, we ended up getting her a job at one of my clients at Ernst & Young yeah. at an oil and gas company. Mm-hmm. And then um, from there, she went and worked for Riverview as an accountant there. Okay. So yeah, a bit of a long story, but... Um, Where did you pop up the question to, to marry? How did you do it? Yeah, great. Um, no one's asked me that for a long time. Good idea. Yeah. So it was a Sunday and um, we it's were... It's always a Sunday, isn't it? It's always a Sunday. <laughs> and we were in the city and we decided to go to St. George's Cathedral, which is the Anglican Church. We went to their evening service. Before the service started, um, I got on her knee. I got on my knee and proposed. Like I was in the pew and she was sitting... So I, oh, was in, in church? In church, yeah. Physically in church. So it's like a quiet service, yeah, yeah. right? Because St. George's Cathedral is not like the most... It's silent. Yeah, it's pretty quiet, you yeah. know. So you didn't have to say much. Well, you know, everyone, everyone clapped. <laughs> oh. Well, who was there? It wasn't many people there. So did you just hold just, the service? No, yeah. no. I was literally just in the tender okay. of the service. Okay. Just sitting in a pew. And then I got out of the pew and, and kneeled in the aisle, you know, the central yeah, aisle. Yeah, during the... What was going on? No, it was before. It was oh, before, before the, the service started. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I embarrassed myself for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And all I can remember of this day was when I put the ring on her, I remember putting it on the wrong finger. And <laughs> I just felt so embarrassed. I was like, I set up this whole thing and I can't even get the finger right. <laughs> but, and she uh, said yes? She said yes. So that was... What did you ask her? What's that? What did you ask her? Would you marry me? I just, simple question, yeah. That's it? Yeah. And everyone clapped? Uh, I think, you know, just the people who could see what was going on. And then you left or you stayed for the service? Stayed for the service. Then we went up to... You were officially now engaged because you were engaged in a church. Engaged in a church. I was all witnesses. (laughs) Um, So uh, then we went... So you knew it was her when you made that commitment? 
I think it was an interesting journey because we had dated for such a long time. It had been so off and on because Jesus had now entered our worlds yeah. in such a powerful way. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my friends at Ernst & Young, one of the things they just couldn't work out because at Ernst & Young, I was very much the work hard, really hard, work really hard, yeah. and play even harder kind oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. atmosphere. So popular. Yeah, well, something like that. Yeah. And so all my friends at Ernst & Young, they saw the transformation. Yes. They saw the change. Yeah. And one of the changes when it came to relationships was when God says to marry Dale, I will marry Dale. Yeah. If God says something else, I'll follow. So I wasn't going, I was... And they were shaking their heads. They didn't understand yeah. this, this new Adam. What the heck was he doing? I was, yeah. and especially early on, I was a freak. Yeah. You know, free dress Friday, how you can just be a bit more casual in the office yeah. on Fridays. Yes. I used to wear a I am a Jesus freak t-shirt oh, wow. on free dress Friday. And people were just, so I was a bit tapped, right? Yeah. I was a little bit extreme, a little bit out of control. Not much wisdom yet, you know, just... A lot of love. Just just zeal, zeal for the Lord, you know. Yeah. And uh, I remember being away in Melbourne with... Because even in Ernst & Young, it's like every year you have a graduate class yeah. who gets employed. And there was a number of us from Perth and we were doing a training in Melbourne. Yeah. And I remember we were at, we were at some sort of cafe or something. And my uh, one of my friends who were working there who knew Adam from the past and knew yeah. this new Adam, this Jesus-loving freak. Adam, freak... We were at this cafe and we're all like a big long table uh, and it was Jason, his name was. And I remember he uh, he slammed his fist on the table like bang so loudly that the whole cafe um, was silent. Yeah. And he said the question, Adam, what the hell is going on with you? Yeah. Like he was very upset. Yeah. And it was like one of those moments where it was dead silence and everyone's looking at me and I'm like, it's my first preaching gig, you know. Yeah. So I think when he tapped the mic and it's like, and like a bit of feedback, you know. Yeah. And I remember just all he's saying to him, listen, I said, Jason, uh, Jesus is real yeah. and he's changing my life. Yeah. That's all I said. And then all of a sudden the cafe noise just re-entered the equation, <laughs> you know. Uh, Beautiful. I, it was a, I think it was a big change. A big Your change. first sermon. My first sermon, very short. A Peter, Peter moment. A Peter moment. Yeah. But I remember that. They, they 3,000 repented? Yeah, not that day. Not um, that, day. that was to come. Yeah. <laughs> but nor were you stoned to death. Not yet. Like Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Stephen, yeah. yeah. So the journey at Ernst Young was wonderful. We had a, a group of Christians at Ernst Young. We, had, yeah. we used to have connect group or life group yeah. before, the, before, before, the, before work. Yeah, uh, in one of the boardrooms, and uh, yeah, it was an ama- amazing time. It's a large organization. There's a lot of people, so yeah. in that critical mass, you you got to have Christians. Yeah, that's right. Be, and know. there were Christians from like because there were people who would come from like other offices around the world. Yeah. So you'd have very much an international flavor in in the office. And I think corporately, it was more accepted at the time. Probably less. It would be less and less now, but. I remember at the, the partners at the time had to have a meeting to approve yeah. to, to approve Christians gathering. Yeah. Because there were some question marks. Mm. Um, but once they proved it, they knew it was relatively harmless. It was kosher. You know, it was helpful to yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it was, uh, it was good for their emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, I think, Well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was fine. And then you had uh, children? Yep. Three kids? Yeah, so we've had um, Mackenzie, who's now uh, turning 20. Whoa. Uh, Harrison, who's turned 18 in March. And Charlotte uh, is 16. 
So mm. girl, boy, girl. Okay. And so uh, Mackenzie is studying Bible college at the moment. Uh, she's doing great. She's yeah. She loves the Lord and she's she's a real speaker. She's got a voice. She's like you. Know. you. She's got something to say. She's the she's she's uh, she's taken a lot of a lot of your DNA, eh? Yeah. When you meet my wife, you'll also go. There's a lot of her in here yeah, as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she's doing. Mackenzie's doing great. Harrison uh, has been a bit of a bumpy journey with Harrison. Harrison had a brain tumor five years ago. Oh. Um, and it was the size of a mandarin, kind mm-hmm. of in the middle middle of his head, and they had to do a pretty significant operation to remove it. Yeah. Uh, like you know, cut his head open and remove it and uh yeah so he um it was benign which was great yep. so it wasn't cancerous they removed most of it uh it, is, it isn't growing anymore uh, but it's left some residual damage uh in his walking so his right leg at the moment is unable to function it's still strong it's still uh, able to like uh, push and work but the walking the walking gait yeah uh, isn't isn't operating operating yeah. like it should yeah. um and he's, it's been the time when he's hit uh, puberty as well so yeah. his body's grown and so that's a bit of an ongoing journey mm. uh, we still believe some rehabilitation and yeah um things will be able to help him mm-hmm. uh, he's got something that would he would call focal dystonia uh, that's the medical condition that yeah. he has so there's a little bit of a sort of a spasticity going on in his yeah. in his right leg his left leg's fine um, so he um, is he quite resilient? Has he got grit to fight? Yeah, he's very phlegmatic, mm-hmm. so that's helpful. He just loves it through, through. Yeah, well, you know, it takes a lot to kind of get under his yeah. skin, you know. So yeah. that's been helpful. Yeah, I think mum and dad have struggled the most. Yeah, with that it journey. Always is. Yeah, that's been the hardest thing uh, when you see you one of your own children struggling. Yeah. Um, but he's a champion young fella. Like he, he's a great listener, great talker. Yeah. Stories to tell. He's a wonderful young man. Um, I know that this is the making of him. Yeah. You know? So these are difficult things, yes, but they're the things that form us. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's having a forming uh, process for him. And Charlotte, can you visualize? Can you visualize the latter part of his life? Or are you still clouded a little bit yeah. by the current situation? Yeah, I think we're still a little bit clouded. It's still okay. a bit day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need... Yeah, well, we're seeing a few different doctors at the moment just to see yeah. if there's anything else we can do to assist his his journey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's still early days. Yeah. The brain is crazy. Yeah. It's still in a very plastic forming state until you yeah. get to about 25. Yeah. So there's still... Uh, a window of opportunity to re- rehabilitate and yeah. work with him. So yeah, we're still we're still hopeful that there'll be some change. Plus, we serve a God who can heal. Absolutely. And so we're, yeah. we're believing and trusting for good things for him. And Charlotte. Um, Charlotte, yeah. So she's sixteen. She's um, she's uh, homeschooled. So yeah. the others were not. Um, Harrison was. He missed about eight months of school. Plus, his walking has been. It's very difficult to walk from class to class when you can't walk. Yeah. Uh, so we we ended up homeschooling him. Yeah. And then Charlotte uh, came along for the ride. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> so she's doing year eleven at the moment. With with Dale. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and she she's doing good. She's doing good. Yeah. But it's early days for Charlotte. Yeah. But 
How do you see um, homeschooling? I think that you got to know your kids. Yeah. It's not. It's not the. It's not the. It's not the, for everybody. Yeah. I think that if you know your children, and you know kind of where they're at, it can be a helpful tool. Yeah. Um, I think. It's not, yeah, like I say, it's not for everyone. My oldest, Mackenzie, she flourished at school. She yeah. did so great. Um, and you talk to her about homeschooling, she'd be like, no, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, she doesn't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's now she's 19, yeah. turning 20. Yeah. But I think... Was it the social interaction or just... She our kids just were very made, social. Because, made things. Uh, things made sense and everything. Yeah, I think she's very more academic yeah. than, say, Harrison or Charlotte. Okay. So that made it very easy for her. She didn't need the one-on-one. Yeah. Things just made sense. She... Went on with it. Yeah. And plus, because we're so involved in church, yeah. socially, we don't oh, have any problems you, with yeah, any of that. You know, <laughs> you know, people. Too much of it, to Plus dinners and yeah. people coming over and yeah. knocking at the door and, you know, you're always with people. Yeah. I know. So I think if you're in a very isolated state and your children are more academic, yeah. then I would suggest probably not for you. Yeah. Uh, but I think for certain kids, I think it's really helpful yeah. Yeah, on the journey. So, yeah, I know sometimes homeschoolers get a bad rap, but um, I think it can be very helpful. Well, traditionally, people were homeschooled. Weren't they? Yeah, that's right. Hundreds <laughs> of years they haven't for. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's the next chapter for you? Um, yeah, great, great question. I've been asking that myself a lot lately. Yeah. Um, we we are really excited about where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Door is still early days for us. Um, we, I, I long to see the Church of Coburn operating like a real body yeah. in that city, in that local government area. Yeah. Um, we, we do little things where we'll shut our service down on a Sunday morning and we'll go love attack somebody else. And by doing that, we, um, we're going there. We don't, like, I don't go there and preach. Yeah. I don't do any of that. We're just going there to support what God is doing there. So yeah. everyone brings an offering on that day. The, the, the awesome thing with the love attack idea is that the other church... Other than the leadership and the elders, no one knows. No one knows. Yeah. So we get permission to do it from the leadership. You know, wouldn't do it otherwise. Yeah. But all these people, we suddenly can the they church... can they host you? Do they have enough seats to host you? Well, that's the that's the thing, right? So we end up saying to our church community at Red Door, listen, you might not get a seat. You're not going to get your kids in kids' church. Yeah. You, you need to come with your, um, you know, almost sanguine hat on. You know, yeah. to to encourage someone in that church yeah. community. And uh, that's been really powerful, not just for the community that you're going to, to be a blessing. So yeah. we, we shout, we do lunch and stuff in the car park for everyone and stuff. Yeah. But it's been a real blessing for our church family yeah. because they see other church communities that are yeah. different from us. Yeah. And they might do things differently, which sure. sometimes is a bit of a rub. I don't necessarily like that. That's why that. it's good that you're not going there to minister because then you carry your own show there. It's yeah. almost your church in a different location. Totally. Whereas this way they can engage with what the local church is doing. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. It builds maturity as well because yeah. our church family need to be able to go to another church family and see Jesus there. Yeah even if they do things slightly differently. And it also shows that you're not threatened by other ministries because some you know, pastors would, would feel hesitant to take their church to another physical location. Yeah, it's, it's, if anything, it's only been a blessing of course. for everyone involved. Piet came uh, with his church to our place and oh, they, yeah? they brought dinner and we had, you know, oh, they, so they crashed on us oh, <laughs> with a lot of love, which was just beautiful. Oh, it's so powerful, so, so powerful. And we had Paul Botha here and... You know, Clive and a lot of the local pastors. They, we, we, we have a good little hub here. So good, so good. But it, it is beautiful. 
Yeah, I. Uh, funny, I have a real appreciation for the northern suburbs. Yeah. When my wife drives in the northern suburbs, she feels like it's another country, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> when I is. come, I feel like, oh, I'm home, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like a bit of a. Uh, well, you know the area really well. Oh, you know the suburbs. Yeah. You've been around. No, it's wonderful. Uh, legacy. Legacy. You are building it. Mm. Obviously, a subtle in a subtle way or in a more vocal way. Mm. What What would you like to be remembered by? Mm. I know you're young, and we're not talking about just that. But I think the the sooner you know this, mm. the more likely you are to build it. Yeah, I think for me personally, you've got to you got to firstly ask the question: How has God made me? Yeah, like He's made me on purpose for a purpose. Yes, and I know God's made me a creative thinker. Yeah, so. One of my heart's desires is to develop creative people within the city of Perth, yeah. creative Christian, Jesus-following creatives, yeah. and help activate them for gospel-centered artistic expression okay. across the city. Mm-hmm. So it's not for the benefit of a, of a church, but the benefit of the city. Yeah. Um, I remember reading a wonderful book called Beauty Will Save the City. Wow. And it describes how the church has done a really gr- a good job in some ways of, of proclaiming truth. Yes. The truth of the gospel. Yeah. We've also done a reasonably good job at presenting works of the gospel sure. or the goodness of the yeah. gospel in terms of justice, yeah. helping the poor. I mean, there's still things to do, obviously. But when it comes to the beauty of the gospel, yeah. you know, go back 300 years ago when the Renaissance was unfolding and... You yeah. saw the beauty of the gospel expressed, but we've lost a lot of that. Yeah, I think there's what I'd love to leave a legacy of going is like the there's nothing more beautiful than the gospel. Yeah, and how can we activate our artists within our church? And artistry is so vast; like there's so many demonstrations yeah. of artistry or creativity. Yeah, uh, everyone's creative. It's probably yeah. more that sense of artistry. Yeah, how do we present the gospel in a beautiful way? So, if there's anything that really stirs me, yes, I love the church. Yeah, but Sitting in our churches as creative people who are who are artists who are yet to be activated yeah. for gospel purpose. Yeah. And I suppose if if I said anything about legacy, I'd love to see in Perth yeah. a, 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 a sort of a tidal wave of creativity that has gospel uh, influence yeah. over our city. That'd be the, the thing that I'd love to see develop. And, you know, we're taking little steps towards it at the moment, but it's it's only very very new. It's beautiful. Yeah, so I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, no, it does. Of... No, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking in so many ways you can be creative. Obviously, we know the music and, mm. uh, you know, drawings and movies. and mm. But I'm also thinking in terms of architecture, in mm. terms of other, you know, uh, there's this beauty in so many aspects of nature as well. Mm. You know, landscape architecture, for example. Come on. You know, there's so many other things that we've, we, we haven't even... You know, we've almost lost. I mean, you look at the palaces, the castles of the past. There was beauty in all of that. Yes. Not just in the you know beautiful windows and you know the mega well chapels and monasteries and churches, but yeah. in everything. So true. And I think today, um, you know, bringing that to the forefront is is very important because a lot of people don't understand that they have the freedom to be creative. Yeah. In the kingdom aspect. Oh, so true. So, and there's so much room oh, for creative expression yeah. yeah if the gospel is the most beautiful thing yeah in all of creation yeah there's so much of an avenue for expression that's right uh, you and should I write think, a book on this 
yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I mean, even the fact that it's good news, Mm. we don't share it as good news enough. Mm. But, you know, there's beauty in it. Yeah, absolutely. There's beauty in it. So I think there's more to come uh, yeah. relating to that space. Well, you keep keep aflaming that gift in you and aflame it in others as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've learned recently, Adam, that the most important meeting is the one-on-one meeting. Mm-hmm. And if you can aflame one, one person, you've done a lot more than most people. Mm-hmm. So don't underestimate the power of one. Yeah, amen. You know, so start good. one fire at a time. Mm. and just launch them because God will do amazing things. Mm. I've learned a lot from you today. Oh, it's good. And uh, I'm sure our listeners and people who watch this show also have learned so much. Thank you so much. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, you've heard Adam's story and uh, his love for the city and for the city of Coburn as well, where he is ministering for his people there, and also the love for creative ministry, uh, developing and launching the creativity in people to shine Jesus and to show the beauty of the Lord out there in the community. Well, if you have a creative mind or heart, or you have a gift from the Lord in that creative space, why don't you bring it out into the gospel show, in the sense, show it out there, show everybody how wonderful Jesus is, and shine the beauty of the Lord through that manifestation of the gifting that the Lord has given you. And uh, yeah, we'd be excited to find out how God has uh, enabled you to do that. Uh, you can watch the show on YouTube, you can listen to Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and many, many other channels out there. Please share, distribute this, and uh, yeah, drop us a rating and some feedback, and come back next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.